That's our new theme song. Yeah. This is uh, Witch's Magic Murder Mystery. At gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Which is Magic, Murder, and Mystery. The podcast. I'm Megan. I'm Kara. Hi. Hey, guys. Um, yeah. We're killing it with the small talk this time. We really are. Uh, <laughs> it's because we just recorded the other... Like, we're recording two episodes in a row today, so we... We're like, we what's funny? blew all our small talk. What's funny to talk about? In the first one. We're I got, funny. I got nothing. But, yeah, we had to go poll some people. On our last episode. Stein or Steen. It's Baron Steen. It's Baron Steen, you guys. It's a real problem. The other thing about it is, um, if you Google it, you're going to find a lot of people who spell it. Yeah. Steen or Stein, which is the whole point. Like, that's the whole point of the Mandela effect, is a whole lot of people have it wrong. Yeah, just go look at the front of the book, though. Right. Stain. Jesus. It doesn't make any sense. No. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. What are we talking about today? Okay. I feel like I've done, I did the medical personnel last time. Yes. But. Who starved her patients to death. Yes. And I have another medical personnel. Mm. Again, Kentucky theme this time. Mm. Um, but my brother's, as he likes to <laughs> refer to his baby mama drama. Baby, baby mama, mama drama. Um, texted me the other day and she was like, have you done this yet? Because I always have found this person extremely interesting. And I was like, no, actually I haven't. Yeah. I will do it now. Nice. So I did some research and here we are. Great. I'm here for it. Here. We're here. We're here. We're here. I love it when people give us ideas of things yes. to do. So if you have any ideas. Yeah. You can email and me. It, it doesn't have to be murder. No. It can be witchy. It can be folklore. It can be. Yeah. I would actually love theory. some witchy ones. I, yeah. I do have a, there's a witch, a Kentucky witch one that um, I'm working on. Like, Mm -hmm. I have it kind of on the side working on. The problem is that there's just, like, one source. Yeah, it's so hard to piece things together. And I hate to tell just a one-source story. Right. But it's so interesting that I may end up doing it anyway. Maybe we should just do, oh. What was that noise? Um. Did the trash move? Yeah. (laughs) What? What's happening? What's in there? If you are in here, <laughs> we're talking about witches in the trash moves. Um, if you are here to be a part of this podcast, <laughs> you've shown up at just the right time. Yes, welcome. <laughs> but it's my turn, so you gotta stay quiet. Settle down. <laughs> You'll go next. You can have the next one. I don't want to put my back to it now, but I have to to look at you while you talk. I'm just going to stare at it and you all are going to get false information because I'm not going to be reading my papers because I'm going to watch what's happening with Miss Witch Bitch over here. What if I was watching you and you're staring at it and you get this like slow look of terror on your face? I'm going to start to do that. I'll just leave. (laughs) I'm out. Just to make you cringe. Oh. Why did that happen? I don't know. Because it's not like Kara's... Look, it's not disgusting here. There can't be any living creature living in her trash can. No. Okay. okay. And it's not like trash trash. It's like boxes from items that I just got. Yeah, there's no like food like, for the or... coffee shop. Like retail stuff. Coffee shop. Coffee at Oak and Maine. Nicholasville, Kentucky. Go, Go get drink you. coffee. Go get you some. Get you. Okay. You do. Okay. All right. Let's go. Well, okay. Yep. 
So I am doing this on Donald Harvey. He referred to himself as the angel of death. He referred to himself as that. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he was born in 1952 in Butler County. Pause. It's a city named County in Ohio. What? (laughs) Yeah, I had to ask. I was like, is this, is Butler County a county? Like, what city is it in? And Google said, Butler County is a city. It used to be a county. But it was left the name and became a city. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. How confusing yeah. could that possibly be? So, Butler County City. Got it. In Ohio. Shortly really. afterwards, he and his family moved to Boonesville, Kentucky. A little tiny town in the Appalachian of Kentucky. <laughs> Appalachia. I'm going to throw an Appalachia. That's how I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so, he and his family were poor. And they lived in the mountains. Uh, he was loved by his teachers. Like, they they had great things to say about him. Like, he was a good kid. He was well-read. Like, just super intelligent. A's and B's. His so, little, none of this, like, loner. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. But, like, with the adults, he was fine. Like, he would hang out with his teachers all the time. He always had, like, questions for them and would, like, constantly talk to them. But his peers remember him as being standoffish. He never wanted to play with them. Here. Like, never wanted to have anything to do with them, really. That's sort of fascinating. Yes. So, in an interview in 1987 with a Cincinnati reporter, his mom said um, her son was brought up in a loving family, and he's always been a very good boy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the principal... Was he a grown man at that point? Yeah. Because uh, he was yeah. born in the 50s, and this was the 80s. Yeah. I think it's a problem anytime a mother is like, he's, he's a, my 30-year-old, he's, he's always boy. been a good boy. Yeah. He was such a good boy, even though he's killed 87 people. <laughs> good lord. <laughs> so the principal of the elementary school that he attended for eight years, um, I guess elementary and middle went into the same school at the time. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a town like that, small town. Yeah. She said, Donnie was a very special child to me. He was always clean and well-dressed and his hair trimmed. He was a happy child, very sociable and well-liked. That's so interesting. Like, so he clearly had social skills that were fine with adults. He just couldn't connect with kids his own age. That's, like, what is that? And he wasn't, they didn't say anything about him being bullied. But it wasn't known at the time that he was a child, but he was, um sexually abused by his uncle and an older male neighbor but thinking about it like he i would think that would make him not able to connect to adults but unless it is like if he's a people pleaser this is true and it becomes a weird warped thing of like this is how i get acceptance from adults or you know what i mean i don't know yeah that's true too i don't know i can't begin to understand no i'm not going to pretend to okay sorry no uh so he was super smart but he got really bored with school so he dropped out at the age of 16 and he received a diploma from a correspondence school out of chicago and he also earned his ged the next year cool so in 1970 he was unemployed and living in cincinnati he decided to go to the Marymount Hospital in London, Kentucky to help care for his um, really sick grandfather. So he became a familiar face at the hospital. Like, everybody got to know him because he was constantly right there with his grandfather. So he was just there visiting. Yes. Okay. Um, just to, like, I guess, help t- take care of him. Yeah. Uh, to be with him. And so the hospital was like, you know what? Like, we are going to offer you a job as an orderly. Like, you're here all the time. You know the procedures. Just... Come on board. So he accepted, immediately was placed into a position where he spent time alone with patients. 
His duties included dispensing medications to patients, inserting catheters, and taking care of other personal and medical needs. Also, he's not a nurse. He didn't go to school for nursing. Why are you letting him put catheters in people? And this was the 70s? I'm just trying to figure out, like, so it seems like you'd have to be a CNA, like a certified nursing assistant, but maybe... Maybe not in the 70s. Yeah, it was Maybe early the 70s. Maybe different then. I was a CNA. Terrifying. Did you ever know that? No. Listen, I, I had every job. In case you're like, so, Megan, you've talked about being a teacher. Yeah. You've talked about working at a bank. Yeah. Like, yes. In high school, I did partial days at the vocational school and got my CNA certification. And so I was a CNA for, like, my junior year. Yeah. And it's hard Oh, my work. Younger, my youngest sister is a CNA. She, for the longest time, worked in an ER. Now she works for a pediatrician and loves it's it. It's so hard. But I would get texts from her, and she'd be like, I had my fingers in somebody's brain today. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, funny. but so, I don't know. Maybe the maybe the rules were different then. Yeah. Okay, so to most in the medical field, a feeling that they are helping the sick is a reward of their job. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he saw it as having the ultimate control and power over a person's life. So oh. he well, that's claimed, a that's a different way of looking at it. He claimed that he became overnight a judge and the executioner. Oh. Yeah. So he's power hungry. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Does he have any siblings? Do you ever talk about any siblings or anything? I don't know. He's like an only child, I guess is what I, I don't know. know. I didn't look into that. I feel like we would have his mom would have it would have I yeah, feel it like it would have, but so on May 30th, 1970, two weeks into his employment, a stroke victim angered Harvey by rubbing feces in his face. In return, Harvey <laughs> smothered Evans with a plastic with plastic and a pillow. No one at the hospital became suspicious because I mean, he was a stroke victim. He was struggling and then he died. To be fair, it would be fairly enraging for someone to rub feces in your face. Yeah. But if you're are you going to smother him? No. I mean, probably not. <laughs> I don't know. No, but seriously. In the heat of the moment. <laughs> but if you're, you know, you're working, like you're entrusted to take care of them. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, you have to be predisposed, like, predisposed to murder, I right. guess, for that to be your reaction. Yeah. I would be horrified and run away. Yeah. And, like, Vom- I would have vomited. Yeah, definitely get sick. Uh, I would say, I'd, I'd say a lot of bad words. I feel like to he, anybody that would listen. He probably was rough with the patients, too, I'm sure. Like, there doesn't seem to be any warmth or compassion yeah. type thing if your response is... If you're the judge in execution. If you're able to smother a person, too. Like, think of how close that mm-hmm. is as far as a method of death. You have yeah. To, and you're, they're struggling against you. And yeah. You're, you stick with it until they stop moving. Oh, like, God. that's a really intimate yeah. way to murder somebody. Yeah. So, the investigator said that this was kind of like unleashing his inner monster, this incident. Mm -hmm. It just kind of triggered him. So, he was quoted. It said, the next thing I knew, I smothered him. It was like the last straw. I just lost it. I went in to help the man, and he wants to rub that in my face. It was the last straw for him. But it it was also the first, wasn't it? (laughs) I mean, yeah. Like, what else had happened to get you to that point, I guess, for that to be your last straw? Uh Uh-huh. But again... It can be the last straw as far as, like, now I'm going to quit my job. Or now I'm going to... Yeah, I'm over this. Yeah, Literal but shit. not that I'm going to start murdering people. Yeah, literal shit. <laughs> <laughs> I am over this, this specific shit, shit on, on my, my face. face. Uh, and also metaphorically. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but, like, I, why wouldn't you just quit your job? Yeah. Instead of being, like, 
And now and I now, shall murder all the people. I will take the lives of at least 15 others in the next 10 months because that's <laughs> what Lord. happens. So the true extent of his crimes, we may never know. But there, because there was so many undetected, like the hospitals would just be like, oh, people are dying. I mean, that's why this happens, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's, yeah. it's a way to murder people and you can easily not get caught. Exactly. You can explain it away, especially back then. Mm-hmm. It says he's notable for having used numerous methods to kill like arsenic, cyanide, insulin, suffocation, miscellaneous poisons, morphine, turning off ventilators, administration of... Uh, infected fluids with like hepatitis B or HIV, and oh, that, God. but those only resulted in infection, right? Of hepatitis, the HIV it didn't cause it for people. It just made them very sick. It didn't cause any death with that. Yeah. Um, insertion of a coat hanger instead of a catheter. No. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. And that killed them. Uh huh. Causing abdominal puncture and wait, wait. peritonitis. Wait. Because <laughs> it, like, punctured their insides. But, like, that's a easily detectable, like, you know. You have a hanger in your urethra. Yeah. So, that's a confusing one for me. Mm-hmm. The rest of it seems like are undetectable. He's just like, let me go get this coat hanger. I got confused. Just I just confused. Yeah. I, Oops, I grabbed. That's I not a catheter. my coat down and shook it up on the lead line. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. I'm horrified by that. Yeah. That's uh, just the... But it, his favorite methods are cyanide and arsenic. Oh, God. He would put them in lots of food or, like, inject them in their IVs. Yeah. Uh, but it says he spent a lot of his personal time away from work, and he was super depressed. He constantly contemplated. He was super depressed. And constantly contemplated suicide. Bless his heart. And he had, he had two partners. James Peluso. He, they were lovers for 15 years. Oh, partners. I thought you meant yeah. like partners in crime. Oh, no. No, like, like lovers, sexual partners. Lovers. Lava. <laughs> Peluso. But Harvey later killed Peluso when he became too ill to care for himself. Oh. So Peluso got sick and Harvey was like, see you bye. I'm going to put arsenic in your pudding. I wonder, and none of these are like mercy killings. They're all Mm-mm. just. Yeah. So his, his next one was, he was allegedly involved with this one. Vernon Midden. He was a married man with children and worked as an undertaker or like an embalmer. So in their conversations, Midden would talk to him about how the body reacts to different trauma. And Harvey loved this. So he was like, oh, okay, I'm going to figure out like other ways to kill people. So when their relationship began to fall apart, Harvey started thinking about how to embalm Midden while he was still alive. So what? They found all of this information out when they found his diary. And he had, like, written stuff about this in there. Yeah. Oh, my God. He wrote it yeah. down? Yeah. Look, crime, <laughs> crimeology 101. Don't, <laughs> Don't write like, down. Yeah. Not that I'm telling you how to be good at crime. Mitten also introduced him to the occult. In June 1977, he looked into it a little further and decided to join. This is where he met his spiritual guide, Duncan, who was a one-time doctor. Harvey says that Duncan was there to help him decide who would be his next victim. Wow. Yeah. Witchy. (laughs) Yeah. Garbage. (laughs) Garbage? Do you have anything to say? Do you want to tell us anything about how you feel about that? Do you know the situation? Just do nothing if you think he's horrible. Sit still if you think this is awful. Got it. 
Kara. Yes, Megan. I have been seeing all over TikTok these hair straighteners. Ever since I got my hair cut, I still feel like I'm learning how to do my hair all mm-hmm. over again. Let me tell you, I have found one that works really well. It's um, from Tymo, uh-huh. T-Y-M-O. Yes. And it is the company for getting the best type of straightener for everything your hair could possibly need. It's all over social media right now with products from $59.99 to top of the line straighteners. Each of their products are built to last and have so many options for whatever your hair needs are. So Karen and I received a couple of the products. Oh we gosh. got a so straightener and a blow dryer. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the straightener because that's the one that I have used. It has a cordless design, which makes it so handy. Right. You traveled with it. Yes. So it's great for getting a good hair reset on the go because it's so portable and convenient. It's called the Porta. It has this 3D comb design, which is enhanced by cutting edge MCH anionic technology. So you brush it through your hair, it straightens as it goes, and it pushes against this ceramic plate that gives a frictionless glide that promises to curb frizz by 50%. And I've totally seen that because my hair gets frizzy and this just really smooths it out. I really loved it. Okay. So I got the air hype. I'm obsessed with it. I have just like naturally curly, wavy hair. So it was a huge game changer for me. It dries your hair in half the normal time and it keeps your hair safe and shiny, which I noticed immediately. Mm -hmm. I didn't even need to straighten it afterwards. And usually I do because usually I have all those wild like curls left over. The wind power on this thing is intense. It's wild. Like I turned it up. I was like, let's play with these buttons. Okay. So it has three magnetic styling attachments. They're all amazing. You know how some blow dryers you get are like if you go to a hotel and there's a diffuser and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like tearing my hair to pieces and it's going to be so tangled. Not with this one. And it's magnetic. So it's great. So right now, you guys, our listeners can get 30% off their first order at timobeauty.com. T-Y-M-O beauty.com using the code WMM30. So that's just two M's. You guys know our codes usually have three. So just keep that in mind. So with so many great products to choose from, now's the time to upgrade your styling and curling kit. So go to tymobeauty.com and use the code WMM30 for 30% off your first purchase. Goodbye. Goodbye. Menopausal and perimenopausal women, listen up. It's time to take control of your health and comfort and Winona is here to help. Winona is a telemedicine company for menopause care who believes that your symptoms are real, important, and deserve to be taken seriously. And for many women, this starts with hormone replacement therapy. Winona's HRT is made with plant-based, bioidentical hormones rather than synthetic ones, so it better aligns with your body to offer relief from hot flashes, weight gain, and other uncomfortable symptoms. 80% of women who use Winona find relief within just 90 days. So what are you waiting for? Get started today. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit. With free shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use code SPRING24 at buywinona.com for 25% off your first treatment plan. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com for 25% off. Winona, menopause care made easy. On March 31st, which is my birthday, but several years earlier... In 1971, he set the bathroom of an empty apartment in his building on fire and um, was unsuccessful in attempting suicide. He was arrested and only had to pay a $50 fine. He tried to also kill himself later that year with knife will and was again arrested on suspicion of burglary in his own apartment building. (laughs) He was so drunk when he was arrested that he bragged to the police about how he had killed 15 people at that hospital. Oh. But the police didn't believe him. They were like, "Ah, you're, you're a drunk idiot. Oh, yep. Wow. Yeah, never investigated when all of... You would think 
I don't know. I'm sure they're extremely busy, but you would think that a cop would be like, huh, I'm at least going to like look into Think this. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just call the hospital and ask some questions. Yeah. yeah. Has anybody died on his watch? Oh, 15 people? <laughs> yeah. What a coincidence. So listen to this. After he was arrested, he was like, you know what? I'm miserable here. I wouldn't join the Air Force. And he was accepted. How? Yeah. But uh, he wasn't in the military, the Air Force for long because he failed to commit suicide twice while on the base. So wow, he so was he held with multiple suicide yeah. attempts. So he was. So was he guilt? Did he feel guilty? Is I that why? He I was? don't know. Wow. In his diary, I guess he never. Yeah. Wow. So he was given an honorable discharge. So after returning home, he tried to kill himself again. Because he was miserable. He checked himself into the VA hospital for treatment. And while he was there, he received 21 electric shock treatments. But was released 90 days after. So then he got another job at Cardinal Hill in Lexington. Mm -hmm. It's not known how many patients he killed during the two and a half years he was there. But the opportunity to kill them was lessened because he was clerical work. He wasn't in, like, the oh, medical portion of it. Thank God. Yeah. He also later told police that he was able to control his urge to kill people during this employment. So I guess because he wasn't in the Like, working position. with, like, yeah. in, I don't know. Like, an in, like seeing them laying there. Yeah. Like, Maybe there was, like, an impulse control issue, right, if he saw them. But so if he wasn't around them, he yeah. didn't have to. Yeah. And there would have been no way to explain. Right. Why he was in somebody's mm-hmm. room. Yeah. If he's not supposed to be yeah he didn't want to be caught so in september of 1975 uh he moved back to cincinnati and landed a night position in the va hospital you would think that the, i don't know maybe it's a hipaa thing back then they probably didn't have hipaa then you would think that they would be able to look at his va records and see if isn't it problems? universal i bet they couldn't look at his records you can't consider their medical records for True. employment probably i don't know so it's believed that while he was employed there, he killed at least another 15 patients. There, he decided to use cyanide and rat poisoning and arsenic to all of his victims' foods. He once joked to one of the ward's nurses after a patient's death that, I got rid of this one for you. <laughs> yeah, they thought nothing of it. And it says that not a lot of his victims were suffering either. So it's like how... Like, this person was going to be healthy. So they weren't dying. No, not, not all right. of them, no. Which shows, again, this isn't like a mercy healing. Yes. So throughout all these years, he was in and out of several relationships. Um, and he didn't hurt all of his lovers. But in 1980, his ex-lover, Doug Hill, who he tried to kill by putting over sick in his food, um, died. His second victim was... Did he kill him? Mm-hmm. Okay. Carl Howler was his second second victim in August of 1980. How, bleh, bleh, bleh. <laughs> Howler. It's H-O-E-W-E-L-E-R. Howler. 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 Don't know. I'm sure you're Bernstein. Bernstein. <laughs> so they began living together, but they started having issues when um, Howler was cheating on him, having sex with other people. And or so, two, if there's any of this, like... The depression and the suicide attempts is like a self-hatred because he was gay in a time when, like... And molested as a child. Yeah. Like, there's so much there that he... You know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff that's, like... Yeah. Just a whole different time. Yeah. Because he was gay in a time when it was not accepted at all. 
I mean, people still get crap about it now, but not oh, like God. then. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So he began poisoning his food with arsenic to control his wandering eyes. He slowed him down. He was just like, you can't go anywhere. You can't cheat on me if you're poisoned. Oh, my God. Oh, you, oh, are you sick tonight, honey? Honey, oh, I guess you got to stay home. Got to stay home and entertain me. Oh my God. <laughs> so his next victim, after, like while he was poisoning Carl, was Carl's friend who Harvey thought that was trying to like interfere with their relationship. He infected her with hepatitis B. So like those infected bags of fluids from the hospital infected her with that. Also tried oh, to did he bring him home. Yes. So those were like Close. easily accept- accessible. I don't know. And then he also tried to give her the AIDS virus, but it's it a closet of fluids. Yeah. So I don't know. He was using taint, like I said, using those tainted bags. So a neighbor, Helen Metzger, I don't know, that's not how you pronounce it, but that's what I'm going with, was his next victim after Carl's female friend. Uh, he was feeling that she was a threat to their relationship again. He laced food in a jar of mayonnaise. With more arsenic, and uh, gave it to her in a pie as well. A jar of mayonnaise, uh huh, and then in a pie. Like, hey, can I borrow a cup of mayonnaise? <laughs> no, here, have this jar. Let me make sure it's the right label. Arsenic. Yep, here you go. Oh no! And then gave her that didn't work, so he gave her arsenic in a pie. In 1983, in April, um, he had an argument with Carl's parents. He started poisoning their food with arsenic. Where did he get all his arsenic? Exactly. Where did he get arsenic? Is I don't it an easy thing to come by? Is it right? I don't know. Four days after know. this initial poisoning, Carl's father, Henry, was dead after suffering a stroke. Mm-hmm. On the night that he died, Harvey visited him at the hospital and gave him arsenic-tainted pudding. So the guy's like, oh, you came to visit me. Yeah, but listen, after all of these attempts to kill Carl, he didn't die. <laughs> he did not die. Makes me think of Walking Dead every time you say Carl. 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 Damn it, Carl. Carl. So in January of 84, Carl asked Harvey, finally asked him to move out. He's like, you know, you're acting a little crazy. And things keep happening when you're around. Yeah. So I need you. Carl's finally catching on? Yeah. Jeez. So I need you to move out. But Harvey, feeling rejected, tried several times to poison Carl and failed again. Well, you've been slowly building yeah. up his arsenic tolerance, probably with all of his, like, yeah. you know, we're but supposed listen, to keep it from going tonight. Listen, listen, <laughs> Carl stayed in a relationship with him for the next two years. Two. <laughs> you know, you're just a good lay. I was so going to say, was you're like great in bed? Like, so even though you're poisoning my pudding and my mayonnaise and my pies... I'm going to keep you around because you're a good time. And your jar of, I mean, your closet of fluids. Closet of HIV, hepatitis B infected fluids. I'm horrified that that is. Your bloodborne pathogen. Yeah, 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 yeah. So 1984 and 85, Harvey was responsible for the deaths of at least four more people outside of the hospital. Like all those people associated with Carl. He's wild. Yeah. Wild. Yep. So... But during all this time, none of this ever hurt his job performance. In 85, he was promoted to morgue supervisor. But in July, he was out of work again because he was caught leaving work with a suspicious, suspicious satchel full of bodily fluids. <laughs> yes, that's so oh, secure. Yeah. Security guards found a 38 caliber pistol, hypodermic needles, surgical scissors and gloves, cocaine spoon, 
two books of the occult lore, and a biography of serial killer Charles Sobrog. So Sobrog. <laughs> the, the thing is, uh, there's so much that that I'm like, oh, really? That oh. sounds cool. And oh. then it's like, oh, this <laughs> 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 is crazy. <laughs> So he was okay. cited by um, federal officers for bringing a weapon into the VA because the feds get involved when it's the VA. Donald was only fined $50 and forced to resign. They didn't look into it. It's so crazy how, I mean, especially if there had been any sort of communication about how he had confessed to killing 15 yes. people before. But I guess there's no way to connect those dots. No. Because they were just like, this is some crazy man talking. <sighs> they weren't interrogating him for anything. I mean, after he left, he was forced to resign, but they gave, they left a clean record. He was able to get another job in February of 86 as a <sighs> nurse's aide at the Cincinnati Drake Memorial Hospital. Wow. Yep. He was so excited to be out of the morgue and back with the living whom he could, in his quotes, play God with. And he wasted little time. So from April eight. From April 1986 to March 1987, when I was born, <laughs> he killed 26 patients. Dang. Yep. John Powell is his last known victim. He was hospitalized from a motorcycle accident early March 1987 and died. Or which doesn't like John Powell. That was the trash can again, you guys. I'm I'm scared. What is she doing over there? He, she doing over there. Okay. Sorry. Motorcycle accident. In a motorcycle accident, he um, died in the hospital bed. So when the doctor performed a routine autopsy on Powell's stomach, he caught a whiff of something strange. It smelled like almonds. Well, the cyanide. It became clear that Powell didn't die from his motorcycle accident, and it was poisoning. So three separate tests later confirmed that Powell had died of cyanide poisoning. Cincinnati police jumped in to investigate and started in interviewing his, fan, his family, his friends, and all the hospital staff. But the day that Harvey was supposed to be interviewed... He called in sick. And they were just like, oh, he can't come in today. He's sick. That seems like it shouldn't be allowed. A little suspicious. suspicious. Nobody caught on to that? Yeah. So then the cops were like, okay, we've interviewed everybody, but we're missing one. And so the lead detective was just like, okay, we've got to talk to him. Because all of his coworkers knew him as the angel of death. They were like, yeah. People always die on his shifts. Like, what? that's what we call him all the time. And they're like, huh. Nobody thought that that might be unusual? Yeah. Yeah. So after they got a warrant, they searched his apartment, and there turned up enough incriminating evidence to arrest him for aggravated first-degree murder of at least John Powell. We found your closet of hepatitis. (laughs) The hep. (laughs) All the... I mean, I'm just like... I'm not saying that the diseases themselves are like, do they have I'm a, saying like, the idea that it's like, like organized. Right. It's the bodily flu. And HIV. who's are they? Where they come from? Like, it's really terrifying to me to think, like, he just had this collection of diseased fluid. Well, he was an embalmer. So maybe he was oh catching those fluids from people he knew had those diseases. That's so disturbing do- to think about. Oh, about. God. I don't. Yep. Thank you for putting that in my head. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. But listen, he pled not guilty by reason of insanity and was held on a $200,000 bond. I so, don't think we can say insanity because he did it for so long and got away with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so there has to clearly be... he was the angel of death. Oh, my God. Yeah. With the investigators having his diary, he knew it wouldn't take long before the full depths of his crimes were exposed. Hospital employees who had always suspected Harvey of killing patients began to talk 
um, to news reporters, to the investigators of the murders. So it was just, it was, it got big. Yeah. People were just like, oh, shoot. Yeah, that's a heck of a story. We kind of thought something. We missed this many times. We thought something was going on. But to be fair, you would never assume, oh, he must be killing people. Like, it would take a lot to get there, I think. So he started freaking out knowing that all these people were talking, and he um, wanted to avoid the death penalty, so he tried to make a plea arrangement. He agreed to full confessions in exchange for a life sentence. So in total, he was convicted of 37 murders, but some estimated him closer to 87. Wow. In an interview with CBS, he said he liked the control that comes with playing God in that you can decide who will live and who will die. As to how he got away with it for so many years, he said that the doctors were overworked and often did not see the patients and they were just pronounced dead. He was able to pronounce them dead. He was able to pronounce them. Yeah. So, as an orderly? Yeah. So well, he, and I bet as the morgue director too. Uh huh. Oh. So he, he, they said that he really was showing no remorse whatsoever for his actions. It says these are his quotes. Well, controlled powers about the same thing, isn't it? The way I look at it, you controlling something, you got the power to do it. Huh? You controlling <laughs> something, you got the power to do it. Okay. Hey, All right. Yeah. So March 30th, 2017, he died at the age of 64 in prison, but he didn't die of age. One of the inmates that was in his cell with him killed him. How? He did, just, they, did he beat? Did he use a, a hanger as a I hope, catheter? I hope he did. I hope so, too. I hope he did. He beat him. And, and some of the things that I researched, it said that the reason this guy, this other inmate did this is because he grew up with some of the family members of one of these victims. Wow. He had pled guilty to 24 counts of aggravated murder, four counts of attempted murder, and one count of felonious assault. Whew. He was fined $270,000. Wow. I mean, I guess he just has a <laughs> easy access to the victims. Yeah. As well as, like, an easy access to, like, lots of different ways yeah. to kill those victims. Yeah. In an interview that I found in 1991, the reporter said, why did you kill? And he said, well, people controlled me for 18 years. And then I controlled my own destiny. I controlled other people's lives, whether they lived or died. I had that power to control. And the guy says, what right did you have to decide that? And he said, after I didn't get caught for 15 years, I thought it was my right. I appointed myself judge. After after 15 years, I decided it was my right. I appointed myself judge, prosecutor, and jury. So I played God. What about the first 15 years? Yeah. What's your... Yeah. (sighs) So his parole hearing would have been set for 2047, and he would have been 95 years old. But his own took care of him. It's so scary to think about how vulnerable people are in the hospital. Yes. (laughs) And how you just assume, like, you goodness in people. And you just assume that people are taking, especially now, where you can't, there can only be one visitor. Yeah. You just assume that your people are being taken care of. (laughs) And not stabbed with a clothes hanger. Oh, I can't. I can't. I just made me, like, clench up. (laughs) Giggles. Giggles. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks. That was you're so welcome. That was a really good. You're so welcome. I'll try not to do another medical one next week. You can do whatever you like. Thanks. Yeah, because it's our podcast. It's our podcast. Guess what? (laughs) We get to make the rules. (laughs) I'll just listen to us. Um. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Yeah. As always, find us on Instagram at which is Magic Murder Mystery. And if you have any ideas for stories, email them to us. 
which is magicmurdermystery at gmail.com. Yep. Thank you. We're all about some new material. Yes. Yep. All right, guys. Goodbye. Goodbye.